1: Welcome to the Rap Report with Andrew Rapaport, where we provide biblical interpretations and applications. This is the ministry of Striving for Eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to
2: strivingforeternity.org. Okay, welcome to another edition of The Rap Report. I'm glad to have you with us. I am your host, Andrew Rappaport. I am with Striving for Eternity Ministries, and today we are going to talk about a topic that I love, which is apologetics. Now, I got to meet our guest out in California. I was actually on his show, on his podcast, Educate for Life, and his radio show, and now it's his turn it was kind of, I think maybe I guilted him to come in since I was on his show. He had to come in here and give you guys some great education for life, I am joined by Kevin Conover, so Kevin, welcome to the rap report.
3: Hey, thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. I really appreciate it, and looking forward to having having a good conversation here. yeah,
2: we were out in California. I was trying to take a vacation it doesn 't usually work that way with me, but uh, I did a lot of ministry during the vacation, but one of it was to be out with you in the radio show the radio station there and be able to record for your podcast and so if folks haven 't listened to that, I, I think I did share that at when uh, we were doing the video but if you haven't heard it go to educate for life how kinds not species originated so that's the that's the episode to look for when we were out there we were together for me at least the time went really quick and i wanted more time with you so having you on here gives me that advantage so let's start off from my audience who may not know you know your background you were sharing with me a little bit in the studio but can you give your your background, your testimony? What got you into apologetics?
3: Yeah, well, you know, um, I, I grew up in a Christian family. But for me, um, I kind of took it for granted when I was growing up that, okay, Christianity's true. This is what my parents taught me. This is what it is. But as soon as I started going to school, uh, you know, starting in elementary school, I began to be presented with, obviously, information that was contradicting what my parents were teaching me. Um, I went to public school my whole life, and uh, so elementary, then junior high, then high school, and in high school, it really started to heat up because I had a teacher that was very hostile to Christianity. He used to quote, he actually misquoted the Bible frequently in my class. That was in 11th grade, and I ended up deciding to start bringing my Bible to class because I wanted to make sure that whatever he was quoting was actually in the Bible, and lo and behold, uh, one day he's quoting the Bible again, and he's al- he was always being derogatory towards the Bible. I open the Bible up. I look for the scripture. It's not there. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe this. And I raised my hand and I said, you know, that that's actually not in the Bible. And he said, yes, it is. And I said, no, it's not. And he said, well, how do you know? And I said, well, I have a Bible right here. And he said, bring it up here. I brought it up to him. This was in front of the whole class. He looked at it. Uh, he said, oh, I guess it's not in the Bible. And from then on, he was much more careful about what he uh, presented as scripture because he knew that i was uh, checking checking up on what he was saying and i had several conflicts with him uh throughout the year but uh that caused me to really start to look into christianity more in depth because i had friends i had a good friend from uh bosnia who had come here as a refugee and she was telling me that islam was true and I had another guy in my chemistry class who was a jehovah's witness and he was telling me that you know, the Trinity was false. And so all of a sudden I was kind of back on my heels and felt like, man, I better really take some time and look into how do I know what I believe is true. And what was amazing to me is, is that as I began to look into these things and started doing research, I started reading books, I started, uh, you know, buying DVDs and or not DVDs at the times it was VHS. But <laughs> I started looking at these things. I was amazed at the amount of evidence that demonstrated that Christianity was true and these other perspectives, these other worldviews were actually not true. And for me, that boosted my confidence in the Lord and in the Bible and actually caused me to want to tell more people. I was like, man, more people have to know about this. And ultimately, I ended up, uh, through some friends encouraging me, we we uh, together started a club called the Answers Club, my junior year of high school. And the whole thing revolved around, um, we want to provide answers to people's questions about God and the Bible. And uh, we ended up in the yearbook and everything. And I had amazing uh, stories of how God worked through it. And people came to know the Lord, um, because of just, uh, being challenged by these questions and then taking the time to go out and find answers. It absolutely blew me away. And I saw so many people excited to know the Lord as they realized, Hey, this isn't just some mythical fairy tale or something that I have to blindly believe in. This is clearly abundantly uh, true. And, uh, that, that really started me down the whole road. I'm, I'm 43 now. And that was all the way back in high school. And, um, that passion has just flowed out uh, into my life uh, because I just, you see the Lord change people's lives and um, there's nothing really more fulfilling than seeing somebody come to know the Lord and their life radically changing from potentially, you know, going in a, in a bad direction, hopeless to hopeful and excited and um, their relationships getting better, their, their families getting better. Um, people, you know, uh, just, growing in the Lord and, um, just having a positive influence for the kingdom of God.
2: Now, clearly you have exposed that you're of a older generation, like my, my am, because we both understand what VHS is. Yeah. So, so beta
3: beta and VHS, right?
2: Oh yeah. We, I understand that, that debate, uh, some of the younger (laughs) listeners go beta. What's that? Beta max. They don't even know that one.
3: Well, beta is now a video game term, um, meaning the pre. Uh, well, it's the, a software. The,
2: it's a software term, yeah. The a yeah, beta yeah, version yeah. is, but uh, yeah, for for th- some of the younger generation that may understand, it's kind of like when HD when they had DVDs and there was HD DVD versus Blu-ray. Kind of think there, yeah. all right, <laughs> and, and no, everyone's going HD DVD. I don't even remember that. Yeah, that's even the younger generation. So, doing apologetics to the generation we have coming up. I mean, you think about those that are in high school, college right now, it it seems like there's been such, and I know every generation probably thinks this, that there's been such a radical change since they were kids. Mm -hmm. But I think with technology, we really have seen a shifting that we've never seen before because of some of the technology and the way the world is connected together. And, Really, what we're seeing is a worldwide anti-Christian message, whether it be from Islam or from professing atheism. So, how do you think we could try to reach this next generation that's coming up?
3: Yeah, I think that's a really good, uh, you know, uh, statement. It's something that's really important for us to know. I mean, the Bible is very clear. Um We need to understand the times, right? We need to be able to identify what is going on. And things have definitely changed. They're not the same. Uh, I think in the past, I look at my parents' generation, and people generally believed in God. They believed in God. They believed in Jesus Christ. They might not be followers of Christ, but they believed. And you didn't have to persuade somebody that, for example, Jesus was a real person, Uh, all you had to do is say, well, do you want to give your life to him or not? And some people said no, but they didn't say, oh, Jesus isn't a real person. Today, you have uh, people saying, well, how do we know Jesus even existed? And and now, as crazy as that sounds, because it it does sound very crazy, and uh, it's interesting because there are so many myths out there on the internet that people just take for granted. So, you'll you'll have somebody just go, uh, Constantine is the one who put all the books in the Bible. It's pure, uh, silliness, but because it's so over the internet, it's all over the internet. And because like you said, you can mass produce information so quickly and and it's integrated into the whole world. Um, people just go, Hey, that's what I heard. I guess it's true. And they don't even think to question it. They just think, okay, the Da Vinci code, you know, when that book came out, it just reanimated all these uh, ridiculous lies about the text, about scripture. And so technology is good and bad in the sense that, well, you have um, ideas that are completely wrong spread like wildfire. And that's that's the uh, horrible thing. I, I think of Bill Nye's video when he made the video about evolution saying that it was basically true and that you couldn't be a decent scientist unless you believed in evolution. And I looked at the hits on YouTube on that particular video. And at the time, there were over 7 million hits on that video. Well, uh, another group put out a... A video showing that uh there are scientists all throughout history who have believed in creation and most of the founders of the different areas of science were christian and so the reality is is of course you can be a good scientist and and believe in creation uh i would say you 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 can't fully embrace science without being a a christian and believing in god and creation but but um the, the video they had put out, this other group, the Christian group had put out only had about 500,000 views. And so what happened was you're basically overwhelmed by a tidal wave of misinformation. Um, and so my challenge to people out there who want to make a difference is, you know, it's not just a, a fair fight between truth and error. Uh, what it is, is it's, we're also dealing with a, essentially a propaganda war. Um, If you have so much misinformation out there that people have given up even trying to find the truth, well, then you're in a bad situation. So I think a lot of what we're, what we need to do, um, you know, Christ said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into the, the harvest field. And to me, what that's saying is, is, Hey, there's a lot of people that know they need God, but they, they haven't heard the good news, and they don't know the truth of the gospel. It's amazing to me how many people don't know the truth of the gospel in, in our supposedly Christian uh, culture. Um, but I think for Christians, we have to get more comfortable with sharing the gospel and being able to share it in a way in which the skeptical culture can begin to listen and hear. and And that takes knowing... How to respond to some of the questions that people ask about, you know, how did all the books get put into the Bible? Um, and, and if we want to be an effective Christian, if we want to be salt and light in this culture, um, I find it almost impossible to escape apologetics. Um, you you must at least have a, a a small degree of understanding of apologetics, and you you must also be able to answer some of the most common questions that people have in a way that's intelligent, loving, and um, and clear. Uh, and that takes time. You know, that takes time to, to learn about that. And that's a big part of what my ministry is about, as well as I know your ministry also.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think is so lacking nowadays is the idea of critical thinking and i would argue you can't teach critical thinking and evolution at the same time because people would quickly realize evolution's a fraud but
3: yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
2: and and so what they do they like your professor in school you know teacher in school appeals to false claims of what the bible says it's a it's amazing how just doing original research this is what what I always focus on is not just taking what someone says verbatim but that's where we have a whole generation that's not taught how to critically think that's mm. what they do we had a guy who used to work for us and he was in the word of faith movement and he came out of it because he he basically said because of some crazy street preacher i used to be in new york every week sharing the gospel just put up a little stand and share, and people would shout out a scripture verse saying, oh, the Bible says this, and they'll give some verse, and all I would do, literally, all I would do is back up a few verses and read it in context, and the entire crowd realized that, yeah, that verse does say that, but the verses around it make it clear that's not what it means, and he ended up up doing that at his church, like he'd go to church and start practicing that and went, oh, wait this pastor's taken everything out of context and left the word of faith movement and went to a biblical church. So I I think that's
3: a great point. I mean, um, I I think the same thing can be, can be said of a lot of the subjects that people are asking questions about. Like one of the big ones that comes up frequently by atheists like Dan Barker from the freedom from religion foundation or, or others is that the old Testament teaches slavery. Well, um, the word slavery is Definitely in the Old Testament, quite a bit. But if you understand uh, indentured servitude, and then you also understand what was going on in Canaan at the time, and you understand the relationship, and you understand the culture, you have to have that in context. If you do, if you don't, you're in big trouble. But you know, I I was um, I was handcuffed to an atheist by BuzzFeed. Uh, they wanted to handcuff a creationist and an evolutionist together, and we were there. We worked for 24 hours. We were handcuffed. Uh, his name was John Rail, and uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, your listeners can check it out. If yeah, want, I'm, but-
2: I actually was, that was going to be uh, something we we're going to do later in a later segment, but we could do it now because uh, I will have the, sh- the link in the show notes for folks for that. But
3: yeah, it's so- hilarious. And But what's interesting about that particular conversation is that um, partway through what, what Buzzfeed wanted us to do. And you don't, you don't see this in the video. Um, but they, they said, what we'd like to do is we'd like you to take John rail to church. Now, uh, the, the night we were doing it, it was a Monday night, I believe we couldn't find a single church service on a Monday night. So, you know, that's the day all the pastors, uh, get a, a day off, but, um, we ended up doing a Bible study at my house. And I, I said to him before we got here, I said, what would you like to cover? What would you like to, Um, And I gave him a whole list of different topics that we could cover, um, whatever it was. And the one he picked out was slavery in the Bible. And he picked it out because he thought for sure, oh, this is going to destroy the Bible and I'm going to be able to, you know, continue my attacks on on scripture. Well, I did, I went through the whole study on slavery and um, at the end of the, the handcuffing, the producer, the BuzzFeed producer said, so John, how did the Bible study impact you? What do you what do you think about the issue of slavery? Does the Bible teach slavery? And he kind of hemmed and hawed for a little while, and I said, John, come on, give us a straight answer. And he said, okay, you know what? Uh, I don't think the Bible teaches slavery anymore. And this is a very, very committed atheist who mocks scripture on a regular basis, who had his mind changed by a hour-long Bible study showing that if we look at it in context it's very clear that the bible is actually anti-slavery it is not a support slavery the whole reason slavery was abolished in the western in western civilization is because of people who are committed to the reality that god has created all men equal Uh, and so the the sad thing is is that if you were to go out on the street um or just talk to people you know on the internet especially and ask them what is the bible's uh, view towards slavery, they would say, Oh, well, the old Testament supports slavery. Um, and, and this is uh blatantly, uh, under uh, misunderstood. And so, um, like you said, everything's got to be taken in context. And I think that's a lot of what apologetics is. It's, it's taking the questions that people have about suffering evil and hell or, um, homosexuality or the abortion issue. And it's, taking those and putting them in the proper context, the proper perspective. And I think once you do that, what happens is people's minds are changed really quickly. Uh, But the sad thing is, is that a lot of people just aren't exposed to good information. They're overwhelmed by the mass of misinformation, and they give up actually uh, taking the time uh, to look for truth and and, uh, get to know God, you know?
2: Yeah, and this is the thing that... When you think about slavery, I'm going to end up, I'm sure, having to deal with this. I have a debate coming up September 29th. I love this, that someone challenged me. Uh, the debate topic, is secular humanism better than Christianity?
3: Oh, wow. I, I love that's, that. It's That's like, a softball pitch right there. Yeah.
2: It's like saying, hi, I want to come debate you and lose before we get started, because my whole worldview you so requires funny. yours. I
3: mean, it's like... That's fantastic.
2: And I'm that's- sure he's going to bring up slavery. And he probably doesn't, you know, what he wants to refer to is the slavery, that the African slave trade and things like that, and he probably doesn't know that the Bible actually condemns kidnapping people, that the Bible doesn't actually refer to slaves as property, because if you had property, if you had a, a cow that went astray from a neighbor, you have to return it. But if you have a slave that runs away, you don't return him, the, because it's not property. He, probably doesn't know that um slaves were paid in old testament exactly. israel they
3: exactly exactly
2: they were paid a half day's wage i always say it this way slavery in the old testament is similar to what uh, we think of tokyo or sorry japan in the 80s where you worked for a company the company owned your house bought your clothes paid for your education you worked for the company for generations it's not like you get a job and you just shift you would everything's owned by the company, your car, everything. So the better the company does, the better you can do is was the mindset, but they sort of own you. You can't just pick up and go somewhere else easily. And they take care. They have a responsibility to take care of everything. So the focus they do like to do is to focus on what you don't have freedom. And they don't focus on the fact that the person in charge has responsibility. So, yeah,
3: and Exodus 21, 16, this is the one I say, if somebody just says, oh, the Bible endorses slavery, I, I just read them Exodus twenty-one sixteen. death is the punishment for kidnapping. If you sell the person you kidnapped, or if you're caught with that person, the penalty is death. And antebellum slavery, um, you know, prior to the Civil War, the way slavery got uh, off the ground is because, because of kidnapping. It was kidnapping people from Africa. So if you just followed that one admonition in scripture, all of slavery would have, would have been impossible in the, in America. But, uh, the slavery in the old Testament primarily is a form of, uh, paying off your debts. They didn't have banks like we do today and they didn't have, um, you know, debt collectors. And this was the method through which they satisfied a debt that had to be paid off. And a lot of people just don't understand that. And, uh, if you, if you killed your slave, um, you yourself were put to death. So, Uh, again, it's, I think it's context, context, context. And uh, I think that's one of the things we're battling in our culture today. And um, my, when I teach my students, um, because I'm a Christian high school teacher, I've been teaching for 12 years, uh, seniors, uh, 12th grade students. um, When I teach them, my goal is to, uh, you know, put, put a problem before them and say, okay, how do we solve this this issue and and how do we read this in context let's get it in context of scripture and um and then rather than cherry picking things which is what you know i mean that's the devil's strategy that's what he does he's he's the father of lies he cherry picks things pulls them out of context and then tries to get people to doubt the word of god by um by giving them half truths and, and so forth
2: Well, yeah, slavery was more of a way of taking care of people, which seems strange for folks to think of. After this break, I want to talk about the website, some of the resources you have there, because you have put together some coursework that's on your website, and people can check the website out at educationforlife.org. But I want to talk about some of those resources after this break.
0: Ephesians
3: chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members
1: of one another for his name's sake. What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast, where I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010, saved me in 2013, and in 2017, Prescribed Truth began. My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word while refuting dangerous lies affecting most churches and the culture at large from a biblical and reform perspective. Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern time for the live recording of the podcast on YouTube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found including the Christian podcast community. If you would like to know more about Prescribed Truth, please visit my website at prescribetruth.com and remember, this world is full of errors but the only thing that the doctor prescribes
2: is truth. Blessings. Okay, that is Prescribed Truth, one of the newest podcasts on the Christian Podcast Community. If you want to learn more about Jamal, check out my last episode that I had done with him, where we talked about a whole bunch of things, social justice, um, basically what is critical race theory, things like this. It was uh, We were all over the map on stuff, but it was very educational to seeing the... We basically way the left tries to push an agenda, but what we have I want to talk about with Kevin here today is education for life. This is a website. I encourage you to go out to educationforlife.org, And the first thing you're going to come upon when you get there is basically four courses. There's 10 classes each, short videos, not, it's not going to take a whole lot of time. Very, very good videos. I think. I don't know if they're all, they, they were about 15 minutes, the ones that I had, had watched. And I don't know if they're all at that same length, Kevin, but.
3: Yeah, well, uh, actually I, um, for those of you, it might take a, a bit of time. So I, I developed this specifically for, um, essentially a curriculum. So I, I've been teaching now for 12 years and about, Six years ago, I had a group of parents come to me and they said, hey, Kevin, they said, we can't um, afford to send our kids to a private school, but we really know that they need this information. And they said, would you mind teaching on the weekends? This was in uh, North County in San Diego. And they asked me if I would come up and teach about 20 different 20 families um, the stuff that I teach uh, every day at the, at the private high school. And, um, I got my wife's permission, right? That's important. And, uh, got her permission to be able to do that. And so I was teaching on the weekends, but I was teaching six classes every day. Then I'm teaching on the weekends also. And it was kind of overwhelming. And I thought, you know, this is too much. And, uh, so a friend of mine said, well, why don't you work on putting this together online, take the content that you teach all year and put it online. And then, um, People can utilize it wherever they're at. And so that's what I ended up doing. And so the 15 minutes you're watching is actually a preview, uh, uh, Andrew. So it's a little longer than, um, than that. Okay.
2: So, so um, the paid, so, because uh, I was going to get into the, the payment that you have. So the paid gives you, how long are the episodes if, if folks pay?
3: So every video is about an hour to an hour and a half long. Okay. So it's broken up into actually a two-year curriculum. Four semesters, one hundred series, two hundred series, three hundred series, and four hundred series. Series is created or evolved, two hundred is religion, who's right, three hundred is Bible, myth, or fact, and the last one is culture in the Bible.
2: So for folks, basically what it is, it's it you're gonna have about ten classes it's broken up in kind of four courses, each yes, working exactly. off of the other. This you get this for less than five dollars a month. And so you could preview it to see these are high quality videos. This is not, you know, Kevin's not in his backyard or in his basement. Well, he could be cause it's green screen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but it very well done. I I was, I mean, the couple of the videos that I saw were enough information that they could easily be shared online to answer questions.
3: Exactly. Um, And that was that was the whole goal when I put these together, because what I was what I was having happen was I had students who would graduate. I would get messaged on Facebook or wherever, and they'd say, Mr. Conover, I'm in class we've just been told we have to write an assignment on why creation is false and evolution is true. Um, I need my notes from from your class. And I thought, you know, I need, a, I need to make a way where these students can access this information basically forever, and they know if I, if I go here, I'm going to get what I need. And so now I've had many students take the classes uh, again afterwards and go. Um, okay, I'm going to use this to write a paper either against abortion or against evolution or whatever it might be. And so uh, they're very high quality. The information in them is sourced and cited, so you can you can use it for research papers. You can use it to actually have intelligent conversations with people and not it not just be hearsay. But you can reference um, people and go. You know, I'll give you an example. One of the scientists I reference in my uh, in the course on genetics is dr james tor he's an organic synthetic chemist he's ranked as one of the top 50 scientists in the world he's actually a messianic jew um, like you andrew and uh, he met christ in college and today um, he says there's absolutely zero mechanism for evolution to work uh he literally makes molecules for a living he says if you can't do this on the molecular level there's no way you can do it on the biology level Um, evolution cannot happen and and so when you begin to use, you know, references to somebody like Dr. James Torr, you look at his information. He's a very credible source. Uh, and then you begin to share that with your peers in class or your professor or whoever it might be, or your relatives. Um, I, I tell people, you know, this is how you crack the door of a person's heart. Um, what happens is they begin to go, you know what, maybe I need to give God a second chance here. Maybe I need to give the word of God a second chance. I need to Go back and take a little bit more time, and because this person's given me some solid answers here, and you know that's how a lot of people end up coming to know the Lord. Um, Lee Strobel and a lot of these uh, famous apologists you hear about—that's how the door of their heart got cracked. And ultimately, as we uh, water and plant seeds, ultimately God draws them to Him. So um, that's what the, these courses are meant to be—is a easier way to water and plant. Um, they say a picture 's worth a thousand words, but these are videos in h d quality for you know videotape with a four k camera and uh and they 're meant to be very engaging and also help people uh be able to eas- more easily share the gospel with the uh, people around them
2: well, this is one of the things we said earlier. how do you reach this generation and we realize that we're going up against people who have money and Christians focus their money on donating to church and things like this and not as much on video production and producing things that wow people. But that's what the the next generation they're interested in and your classes that you have are geared to get them to wait, wait a minute, this is really cool. This is really entertaining and educational And so there's there's 40 classes that you have broken up into four courses. So if people have an interest in creation and evolution, course 100. Religion, which one's right, course 200. The Bible, myth or fact, course 300. Culture and the Bible, myth 400. And, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of different topics that I see in here.
3: Yeah, Between different... What's happened is over the past 12 years of teaching, students bring stuff up. When I started teaching, um, I basically got thrown into the classroom. They said it was in the middle of the year. They said, there's no curriculum. Uh, Can you do this? I said, oh, pray for me. Um, And so I hopped in there. And what happened was students immediately began asking me questions about all the things that they were personally concerned about. Um, How do I know Buddhism isn't true? Buddhists seem really nice. They're very peaceful. Uh, they don't judge anybody, and you know how do I know Buddhism? You know why should I believe Christianity over Buddhism? Uh, and just on and on and on. Uh, one of the biggest topics, and you know this, Andrew, um, today is our postmodern culture. Uh, relativism has become um, almost the de, de facto uh, go-to philosophy. People don't even realize it, but what's happening up? What's happened up in Canada with uh, Bill C sixteen that was passed, uh, I believe, last year, and what's this movement towards um, the whole gender issue where I can be whatever gender I want to be. It's just a matter of my preference. Um, And then everybody else has to essentially bow down to what I've decided I am. That's a philosophical uh, perspective. That is the uh, CS Lewis called it perspectivism. Um, It's also called solipsism. And today we know it as relativism, which is that all truth is relative. Well, I deal with that in these courses, and I give students the ability to refute that. It's class 202, it's called Refuting Relativism, and that it, C.S. Lewis said it's the most dangerous perspective, it's the most dangerous philosophy there is, because essentially what it does is it says, there is no such thing as truth, and if truth can't be known, then why argue about what truth is? It's the devil's way of shutting down conversation, essentially what he's trying to do is, He's not trying to have an open dialogue about truth. He's trying to say there is no truth, so why even have this discussion? And how do you how do you communicate to somebody the truth of God's word, right? Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. How do you communicate truth when somebody says there's no such thing as truth? And this is the way to get out of the, the conversation altogether. So, in that particular class, I show how faulty that is and how it's absolutely ridiculous to make the claim that there is no truth or morals are only opinions um, and so forth and so on. So these classes are meant to be extremely relevant. Um, they're not ivory tower discussions. It's, uh, streetwise apologetics. You know, it's, um, the discussions I'm going to have with my club soccer team, with my friend at work, uh, with my, uh, relative over Thanksgiving. These are real-world issues and real-world conversations that i put into here and tried to make it as uh, concise and valuable as possible.
2: That is so needed in, in this generation that has, like, zero attention span. So, yeah,
1: right.
2: <laughs> so let, let's get into, you know, after this next break, what I want to do is get into discussing, you know, something that's passion on your heart is families and how to not miss the mark. Because a lot of what you're doing, you're gearing it toward – generation of people who are still really within their home I mean you're dealing with high school students that's really who you, I think you geared it toward but it's not limited there by no means and so let's talk about families and how they can uh, what they what role they would have <laughs>
1: Ding dong, Jehovah's Witnesses, ding dong, Mormons, Christian, are you ready to defend the faith when false religions ring your doorbell? Do you know what your Muslim and Jewish friends believe? You will if you get Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? When we witness to people, we need to present the truth, but it is very wise to know what they believe, and you will get Andrew Rappaport's book at what do they Dot com. The good news is Striving for Eternity would love to come to your church to spend two days with your folks, teaching them biblical hermeneutics. That's right, the art and science of interpreting Scripture. The bad news is somebody attending might be really upset to discover Jeremiah 2911 should not be their life verse. To learn more, go to strivingforeternity.org to host a Bible interpretation made easy seminar in your area.
2: And that was where we Will teach you more about context. Now, Kevin, you know what the nice thing is about doing a podcast over a radio show. You What's and I that? are not tied to that time clock that you had when we were in your show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. where, where it's like, okay, okay, ready. We got. Can I get this in and this? But okay, got it. All right. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so yeah, it keeps you from talking too much. See,
2: you're you were talking about slavery on your radio show. You're a slave to that clock. You know it. You yeah, are. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about families and the fact that you know there's something you had said off air that really struck me is that a lot of the Christian families, and you didn't say this, but it, but this is what I end up seeing. It's almost as if they push the raising of their children's spiritual maturity onto the church. Like, well, the kids go to church; they're going to learn everything there about the Christian faith. And yeah. not have it taught at home. And how important is that home element to raising children that understand the Christian faith biblically?
3: Yeah, it's, it's so, so critical. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 18 through 20, uh, I think, illustrates perfectly what's got to happen. It says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You need to, you need to be putting this on the door frames of your house, right? This is, and you know, this, this is uh, your Jewish background. Um, I think it's so amazing um, how true this is because we literally, I, I do this now in my own home. I, I have a five, of, of those frames you can buy now where you can change out the, the picture in it. And what I do is I put in different verses in here. And then when my kids, so right now I have some verses on um, uh, taming the tongue and, uh, you know, uh, nothing should come out of your mouth except what is edifying to those around you. Because uh, I have a 12, nine and seven year old and it's very easy when they're angry and uh, for all of us to say things that we shouldn't be saying. But what we do is we we look back at these scriptures and it reminds us, oh, this is what God wants me to do. And so we we need to be meditating on the word of God day and night. And you you have to make a habit of that, having these scriptures all around you. And, um, you know, I think uh, George Barna, he's a Christian uh who statistician, he's, he does tons of studies on demographics and what's happening in uh, Christian faith in America. And he has this uh study that came out in 2017, and it's it, it you know, if you take it the wrong way, it can be kind of discouraging. Um but let me read to you his conclusion here. This was from a survey he did in 2017 that says statistically, a very small amount of younger people have a biblical worldview only 4% of 18 to 30 year olds and 7% of 30 to 49 year olds. He says, we are in a crisis. If the church does not wake up and solve it, biblical Christianity in the United States is in jeopardy. And the fact of the matter is, is that people are not spending the amount of time in the word of God that like they used to. Uh, We live in, like you said, uh, a a culture now that has a very short attention span. Um, And so it makes it difficult for them to learn the word of God when they can't spend the time to sit down and read it. And so uh, parents need to be well aware of this and they have to be proactive. You can't, you can't do accidental parenting. You can't uh, think, okay, my, my young, my child is going to be a dedicated Christian who loves the Lord, goes to church, gets married, raises their own kids to love the Lord, spends time in the word of God, is praying, is serving in their church, Doing all these things, you—that doesn't happen by accident. It's very, very particular ways of living and raising your kids and running your family, uh, which is all biblical. That ultimately provides your children the best opportunity to grow up to be people who also love God. And it's really about watering and planting seeds. Um, I want to, I want to cultivate a garden, a family garden, that produces an environment in which my children have the best opportunity to grow up as uh, adults who love the Lord, who are dedicated to the Word of God, who know what a biblical worldview is because they know the Scriptures. Um, and and uh, again, like I said, that doesn't happen by accident. And I actually have a presentation that uh, listeners can check out online, which is Seven Practical Tips to Raising Christian Kids. And they're basically drawn from George Barna's research about what makes the biggest impact on a family for kids who are who don't just call themselves Christian after high school, but actually are serving in their church, are living out their Christian faith, and they're they're walking with the Lord, they have a true relationship with God.
2: And I mean, this is where the attack, I think, is at is is on the family. I mean, the, the family has been under attack so uh, so much. And yeah, since the
3: sixties, since the sexual revolution, uh, nineteen seventy was when no fault divorce was legalized. Uh, that was that was sadly happened here in California, not surprisingly but sadly and uh that that decision essentially undermined the commitment uh of us of one spouse to another, and that jeopardized the future generations because from social science we know that uh that broken families are what cause an increase in things like teen pregnancy gang activity school dropout drug abuse uh as the as the family goes so goes uh the culture so goes the nation and um you have to have scripture as the bedrock of the family because there's no nothing greater that can help a couple through their hard times right we all go through hard times um we have uh we get angry at one another we get fed up with one another uh, and if it weren't for christ we would we would all kill each other. Um, but the reality is is that when we begin to turn our hearts towards the Lord, when we make the scriptures the bedrock of our of our family unit, um, that allows us to be the kind of parents we want to be, to be the kind of spouse we want to be, and ultimately to raise the next generation to also be blessed and to receive the blessings that come from putting God first in your life. You know,
2: this is where apologetics has to start. And it's not, uh, this might get me upset with some, might upset some people. It's not your pastor's job mm-hmm. to, to, to basic. Yeah. I mean, it really isn't so many people think that, that it's, it's, well, this is my pastor's job to do this. No, it's not. Th- this is your job, parents yeah. to do this. And, and, I mean, this is our, this is what our, our responsibility is, is as parents. And so, yeah, and,
3: and the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, um, the pastor or the youth pastor, let's say, um, only gets a kid for, you know, maybe an hour a week, maybe two hours if they go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, there is no way that that is enough time to counteract the, uh, the complete flood of social media i think you know and i'm sympathetic to parents because i'm a parent and because i've taught teenagers for so long uh because of phones and everything what's happening is is social media the social media diet is more often than not contradictory to what scripture teaches and what a biblical worldview is and so parents have a, a huge uphill battle when dealing with okay, all of this information is coming in, right? It's it's the whole you are what you eat. The Bible says the eyes are the window to the soul. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. So, so the problem, the difficulty is, is okay, all this information is, How do I counteract all this information that's coming in through my kid's phone, through their friendships, where where you know it, it's harder than ever before to. Um, to sift or to prevent bad information from getting into a kid's head. And so this is all the more reason why apologetics is so necessary in our culture today. But I do want to encourage parents. I don't want them to be like discouraged our our listeners. I don't want them to feel like, Oh, well it's, you know, it's doomed. What's really amazing is that it doesn't take um, a tremendous amount to make a huge difference. Um, This is a quote from one of Barna's studies. It says here, uh, it was the extensive time spent studying the Bible as a family that made the greatest difference in the emergence of children as dedicated followers of Christ and advocates of Scripture. This was the number one thing that, that changed things. And we're talking about maybe 15 minutes twice a week where you sit down with your kids and you talk about the Word of God. That right there has a gigantic influence and I would, I would encourage you, like a lot of the parents that use my curriculum, what they do is every Sunday evening they'll watch one of the videos or they'll watch a half an hour of the video. And that right there is incredible preparation. You know, um, if you, I always tell people, you know, if you um, work out 15 minutes a day for a week, it's going to do pretty much nothing if that's all you do. But if you work out 15 minutes a day, let's say uh, three days a week, for a year, it's going to have a huge impact that 15 minutes a day for three days out of a week adds up. It's the small steps in the right direction that are that consistently that make the biggest change. And so for you parents out there who are listening, don't be discouraged that, you know, it's hopeless or you can't, you can't deal with it. It's just about being proactive rather than, um, trying to clean up a mess. It's about preventing the mess in the first place. And that just takes small, small steps in the right direction. Uh, So uh, we tend to beat ourselves up over the head as parents uh, in all the things we did wrong, but um, we need to focus more on, okay, what are the small things I can do that are right?
2: Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about apologetics, which is something that You know, really, I hope folks are understanding this is not something that's just done when you're out on the street evangelizing with someone. This is done in the classrooms, at home, everywhere. That's really the thing that I want people to see. Now, I want to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about, you know, some of the things that you got going on as far as the apologetics, and really want to talk about this not only your courses you have, but this answers club that you did back when you were in high school. So let's talk about that after this break.
3: Hey, I'm Daryl and I'm here with my wife Karen. What's up? And we're the hosts of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. The podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look.
0: Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Are you just watching?
2: Do you enjoy watching movies?
0: The special effects, the interesting characters, the great stories.
2: There's a lot to enjoy that comes out of Hollywood. But sometimes it's best to approach secular media with a healthy dose of critical thinking.
0: Join me, E. Franklin.
1: And Tim Martin.
0: As we discuss our favorite movies.
2: And share critical thinking for the entertained Christian.
0: So visit areyoujustwatching.com to subscribe.
2: And don't just watch. Speaking of critical thinking, there you go. There is a podcast on the Christian Podcast Community about using some critical thinking when it applies to movies. So critical thinking is something, Kevin, we need to apply everywhere, isn't it?
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. Um, I think the whole love uh, love your God with all your mind, right? You can't do that unless you are able to think critically and logically and be able to come to good conclusions. Um, I, I think it's really interesting. I keep quoting George Barna here, but he said um, uh, he has this interesting quote about people basing their views not on not on Scripture, but on their feelings. This is what it says. Six out of seven born-again Christians base their morals on their feelings because they don't have a strong enough understanding of a biblical worldview. Uh, and thus, skeptics are the fastest-growing segment of American worldviews and are currently at 11%. Um, a lot of the atheists I talk to um, they start it, it's really strange but they start these groups and there are things called like uh, in San Diego they call it the coalition of reason and what they're trying to say is Christians are not rational um, we are uh, there's a billboard they put up uh, around Christmas that says this season celebrate reason um, and and so what they're again what they're saying is Christians aren't very smart they believe things without knowing why they believe them and interestingly george barna's study actually confirms that for many christians this is actually the case they don't they don't believe the truth because they've actually thought clearly about it if they believe the truth at all it's just because they got lucky and they happen to be in a good church um and uh you know this is why we have things happening with um just recently beth moore who uh, you know I don't have a lot of respect uh, for what she does in the first place but she just came out and said that anybody uh, who believes that homosexuality is wrong is a hyper fundamentalist and uh Josh Harris a very famous author of a book that was popular when I was in high school uh he wrote a book called I kiss dating dating goodbye he just came out um he's now divorced his wife this is just in the news last week and he just said I'm no longer a Christian and so, and and then he goes on to say, "I'm apologizing for my position on um, homosexuality, and I should never have been opposed to same-sex marriage." And to me, this is all a result of people not thinking critically. They're they're falling for this emotional trick, which says you can't actually love somebody, um, and be opposed to their lifestyle so this is a total you know uh misunderstanding of logic of course you can you can uh love somebody and not agree with their lifestyle god has called us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us so sadly i think a lot of the ground we're losing from christianity in the culture is because of a lack of being able to like you said think critically
2: yeah and and this is really a core part of apologetics i mean
3: absolutely it's it is the you know I tell people God has given us two things that draw us to him uh, love and truth uh, when we experience authentic love where it's like a magnet we we want more of it when we experience truth it's magnetic it draws us to him and so I think your greatest our greatest tools are love and truth.
2: So uh, let's talk briefly because we're going to get to uh, uh, I want to get to a game that we play here, but before we do, I want to talk about this answers club that you have that you did when you were in school. So you're in high school, you created this club, explain this club to folks, how it worked, because as you and I talked, I, I think this is what people, maybe there's some parents out there who have kids who just, can do this in their high school. Maybe there's some teachers in schools that can do this. Maybe there's some people that just want to start a, a ministry that could do this, but I would love to see what you did replicated in high schools across the country. Cause I think it would change a lot of what we end up seeing when they get older in college and all that. So describe that, that answers club for folks. And then I want to put yeah. out a charge to folks.
3: Well, it was, you know, it was just an outgrowth of my own personal need, Um, I needed answers and, um, I went out, you know, when I was talking to my friend about Islam, I went on and bought a book on Islam, uh, that showed why Islam was wrong. When I was dealing with my, with the issue of evolution, I went out and bought some, uh, videos on showing why creation was true. And what for me happened was as soon as I learned this information, I was astonished at how amazing the answers were. It just blew me away. And I thought, how is it that I haven't heard this before? How do other people not know this? Um, I just couldn't believe that there was such good information that people didn't know and that I didn't know. And so for me, uh, the natural reaction was, well, let's start a club that disseminates this information to other people so that people can make good decisions about Whether they want to commit their lives to Christ or not, whether they want to believe in the Bible or not, and where they want to go in life, and so um, I I think like you said, if somebody would start a group like that, you know, Bible clubs are really good in the sense that um, it's great to have a place where Christians can go to to have a Bible club. But I talked to a guy that started about three hundred Bible clubs in Southern California, and he said to me, um, he said, "Kevin, the Bible clubs are great," but he said, you know. We're not having that big of an impact. He said, we are having an impact, but we're not having that big of an impact. He said, because these clubs, um, you know, you might have somebody teach a Bible lesson and then you get uh 10 minutes for pizza, 20 minutes for the Bible lesson. It's very hard to to get to in depth. But if somebody started a club that was specifically geared towards addressing the immediate questions that young people have, I think you could have a much significant much more significant impact because um, this is what's happened in our culture is there's so much skepticism now that people, even before they step foot in a Bible club, they're already thinking to themselves, I don't think this is true, because there's so many walls built up in their minds about questions they have. And so I think, like you said, if, if uh, you know, Ratio Christie is on college campuses, and that's a group that specifically... Uh, does their best to answer questions for college kids. But what we know from the studies that have been done is that kids start asking their questions. 40% of questions start uh, happening in middle school. Another 40% start in high school. It's only about 10% that start questioning. Their first questions are in college. So we don't want to wait all the way till they get to college to start answering questions. Like you said, we want to start that in high school and even middle school where they start getting good answers to their questions and they're able to respond to their peers um, in a way that's both loving and intelligent.
2: Yeah. And I, I, my challenge to folks, maybe there's someone out there that has the resources to, to actually put behind Kevin and get him teaching. Cause here's the difference that what you did was you're doing apologetics. You're not doing pizza. That's the big problem. These <laughs> exactly, Bible groups yeah. are about pizza. They're, they're about yeah, building a bigger <laughs> group. And the real issue needs to be about the apologetics. And so maybe maybe there's someone out there that would be able to have the, the, the resources or whatnot to be able to get behind Kevin and help him do that. That'd be really nice because the reality is, is we, we do need this. We need to get younger and younger uh, folks that are going to be trained up in understanding God's word in being able to defend God's word and not feel ashamed, not feel that they got to back away. As Kevin said, folks, we live in a day and age where they want to silence Christianity. You're seeing it, as he mentioned, just with the whole issues of homosexuality. It is not, you know, something, um, it's not unexpected that they're coming after Christians because this has been their agenda all along. And so they've they've been they they have to play the victim and they can only do that if someone is victimizing them. And they want to claim that you and I, those of us who who know the Lord are the victimizers. And this is what is their game. So if you and I want to actually have an impact, we have to first and foremost know what what we're up against. What we're up against is a, is a, a culture that hates God and wants to silence anybody, and I mean anybody, who would support Christ. And so that's why this is so important. So my encouragement to you is go to educateforlife.org. There is a donate button there, by the way, so you can donate if you've been listening to him. You want to book Kevin as a speaker. There's a page to do that. There's a way to get him to come to your church, to your conference, to where you are, and have him come out and speak. There's a place where you could donate to help him more. Kevin, I want to play a game with you, and I want you to relax because all the pressure is going to be on me. It's time now to start the Spiritual Transition Game. Okay, so this is a time where we play the Spiritual Transition Game. And Kevin, this is where I get to find out if you have... Well, listen regularly to The rap Report, because if you do, you know what's coming, and if not, you don't. So, this is how we play this game. Most people, when they talk about sharing the gospel, the most difficult part for most people is to make that transition from the physical world to the spiritual world. And so, what we've done is made a game out of it. And I try to teach people that there's really nothing difficult with it. You just have to practice. The more you practice this transition from the natural world to the spiritual world, you no longer have to pray, oh Lord, please give me a conversation that leads to the gospel today. Because you can make every conversation lead to the gospel if you so desire and so kevin you're going to give me something i don't know what it is and this part of the of the show gets no editing so if there's a long pause i leave it in there and so um this is where you give me something and i have to try to transition from whatever you give me to the gospel and that's going to be my job so you can give me anything an object or
3: okay um my cell phone just broke and the screen just broke. I just dropped it. And uh, I'm wondering, do you know a good cell phone repair place, Andrew?
2: I actually, I happen to know a good cell phone re- repair place. It is my son. <laughs> he he actually fixes iPhones. <laughs> so if it's an iPhone, you're in luck if you want to ship it, it to him.
3: It's an iPhone. It, okay. Yeah.
2: I, you know, I was just at a friend's house and I just, I, I looked and he had a cracked phone. And I was, my son was supposed to come over to his place and, uh, cause I was out in Texas. My son lives out in Texas and my son was going to come over there. And I was like, I called him up. I said, you don't happen to have all your tools to replace a screen, do you? He's like, no, cause he had already left to come out. And so I was like, well, you know, just figured you'd fix the phone right here. And the thing though is, is that he was like, it's okay. That's a backup phone. He bought another phone, but he didn't want to get rid of the other one. So he keeps it as like a backup, even though it's cracked. (laughs) And it was just interesting, the fact that here, people have things. It's nowadays so easy to replace stuff. Even even like expensive phones, it's just, okay, it's cracked. I'll go get another. And, you know, I'm looking at this and going, you know, my son could probably fix that for like, you know, less than $100 and you can go sell it. Because it's cracked, it's not worth a whole lot, but replace the screen it is. It's it, it's all about what people value. The, everything in our culture has become disposable, almost. That people just say, oh it's,
3: it's cracked. That's yeah, true. Toss it. Just get rid of it. <laughs> I know. We my wife and I take so many trips to uh, the Salvation Army to to drop stuff off. I'm like, where does all this stuff come from? I I know I didn't buy all this stuff. <laughs>
2: but but the reality is that's the thing. Is that we we have I had a printer that I got and it was like what, $50, it actually was going to cost more to try to repair it than just buy a new one. And when we think of everything being so disposable, what it does is it gives us the sense like nothing matters. And yet there are things that matter. But we're, our culture wants to tell us things don't. Everything just goes on. Nothing has any real value, and yet there is value because you know every one of us. We we plan for things. We plan maybe to get married or to get a job to have a career. We plan for everything in life. But you know what? One thing we don't plan. So few of us plan for what's going to happen a second after we die. I mean, a second after we die, it's too late. That is the thing that's of most value: is to know. What happens the second after we die? Because when we die, it's too late to decide. And what happens the second after we die? Well, God says it's appointed unto man once to die and then a judgment. And so we're going to face a judgment of God based on, well, did we break his law? Have we lied and stolen and, and done anything that is against his nature? Well, then we would have eternity in a lake of fire. But God made a way of escape. God himself came to earth as a man Died on a cross, being eternal God, he can pay the eternal fine, but also being a man, never breaking the law, he can pay the fine that you and I owe. So it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have the forgiveness of that sin. We have to turn from trusting ourselves as a good person, our good works, and turn and trust Jesus Christ. And then life is not a throwaway. Then we go from everything being disposable to having eternal life. So that's how I would transition from your phone to the gospel.
3: I love it. I love it. That's awesome.
2: And originally I was thinking I was going to go some way with like my son and sonship and I didn't think of a good way to do that.
3: (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I brought that up because that actually happened to be in a cell phone store. I was in a cell phone repair store and uh, I just started talking to the guy and he told me where he was from and, and everything. And we just got on the subject and I was able to, I I had the opportunity to share the gospel with him and, and uh, I, I was amazed because he, he gets a phone call and he looks at me and he goes, I'm going to take this phone call, but don't leave off. Uh, he don't remember where you left off because I want to hear the rest of this. He was so interested in hearing the gospel that he was like afraid to take the phone call because he was afraid that we were, <laughs> I was going to leave or whatever. It was, it was amazing, but uh, wow. really cool. Well,
2: that's good. Yeah. That's, that says that your conversation was engaging with him, which is a good thing.
3: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of, uh, and I know you are too, of Ray Comfort, and he's really helped me to be able who? to get more comfortable sharing the gospel. So
2: Ray who? <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Kevin, let me, let me give you the last words. If there's anything you want to share before we sign off, anything that you have going on you want to promote or or talk yeah, about? Yeah,
3: well, I just want to encourage you, um, if you feel like you need, if you're listening out there and you, you have friends or family members, maybe a child, or maybe it's just you yourself, Uh, my website, educateforlife.org, is meant specifically to help you become more comfortable and confident in the word of God. And, um, uh, I do charge $4 and 99 cents a month, but it's full access to every single lesson on uh, my website, uh, over 40 classes, um, all on every subject you can imagine that you might have questions about. And it's just a great way to get a firm foundation and, um, Andrew, I really appreciate you uh, allowing me to be on your show and share with your listeners. It's been a blessing.
2: Yeah, and folks, I mean, $5 a month is not much. It's basically one Starbucks coffee that you shouldn't have anyway. And, you know, the reality is when you watch the videos, these are high-end videos. This isn't some cheap production. So you're supporting, you know, to produce more of these type of videos so that we can get more of this information out for folks. So, really consider going out to educateforlife.org. Check out all the videos and the other materials that are out there. So, Kevin, I appreciate you coming on. It was great just being able to talk a little bit longer with you. I I might have to have you on again because I really wanted to get into some different discussions like we had after the radio show about presuppositional apologetics and classic apologetics. We we had a great discussion, and I— I almost wish that I had to record a recording while while we are sitting outside by the car. because
3: I was thinking the same thing, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I may have to have you back on. But I really appreciate you coming on. And folks, um, just want to encourage you to remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God. This podcast
1: is part of the Striving for Eternity ministry. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your
2: church, go to strivingforeternity.org.